They say that the average lifespan for a name band is seven years. We've been a band for a long time, 21 years to be exact. So we've been able to hang around the biz three times over. We've been the buzz band, then lost the buzz, and then regained the buzz all over again, and more than once. Having the humility to handle the come down is what often decides which bands stick around and which bands break up. We formed our band amidst the garage punk wave of the mid to late 90s with bands like Teen Generate, The New Bomb Turks, The Blues Explosion, and The Gories. Eventually, The Hives and The White Stripes took it overground, but the rest of the scene, instead of being invigorated and galvanized by this, faded further into the background. For us, we rode the wave, adjusted our sound, and took it overground as well, something we had no intention of originally doing. But what happens when you outlast your own scene? Well, you become a stranger in a strange land. What was once there to validate you, to identify you, and to put you in proper context is now non-existent, and you become fodder for anyone's guess. Our band has been labeled everything from heavy metal to pop rock and done so with negative connotations. In the end, I always say we're nothing more than a hard rock band. Pretty easy to understand, at least I thought it was. But with so much compartmentalizing and rigidness in the music world, saying you're a hard rock band has actually become a vague and confusing term for most newbie music fans. Probably the only time it really rubs me the wrong way is when our band is the subject of ridicule by metalheads, or should I say so-called metalheads. They're usually very young, just got into the music, very idealistic, very inflexible. What these dimwits don't realize when they make fun of us for playing rock music, a sound they probably think is too soft, is that most of the people in their favorite metal bands are hard rock fans too. Probably listen to it more during their leisure time than metal. And this is something I learned from years of hanging out with a lot of metal bands. When their set is over and they're relaxing at the end of the evening, out comes the Thin Lizzy and ACDC turning up the Aerosmith and the Journey. If only some of their more naive fans would see this, I bet they'd get into it too. So it's with much delight whenever I see a figure from the metal world publicly and proudly waving the flag for hard rock that I'm filled with a mix of pride and validation. Like, of course, Nicky Anderson, who is playing drums and Entombed, but formed the Helicopters and now fronts the hot rockin' Imperial State Electric. Or Bjorn Street, singer of Soilwork, but also the singer in his AOR rock band, Night Flight Orchestra. Michael Amott from Arch Enemy, also playing in Spiritual Beggars. Mark Osagueda, singer of Death Angel, also sang for the hard rock band, The All-Time Highs. Jason McMaster of Broken Teeth, also singing in his metal band, Evil United. And of course, Arve Istal, or Icedale, who plays in the esteemed black metal band, enslaved, and the juggernaut rock quintet, Audrey Horn. And coming from black metal, a genre of music that is everything all at once, dark, unyielding, and controversial, it is so refreshing and thoroughly satisfying when one of its figures goes public with their fandom for all things hard rock. 
Icedale has gone one further, being a member of Audrey Horn. Along with guitarist Thomas Tofthagen, who moonlights in the Bergen metal band SOG, their dual guitar interplay in Audrey Horn can easily stand alongside other similar pairings like Smith and Murray and Tipton and Downing. We recently completed a three-week tour across Europe with Audrey Horn, and it was a rousing success. One of the best parts of that tour was almost every night after the show when it was all over, the crowd had dispersed, and it was just our two bands. Icedale would saunter into our dressing room eager to talk about the one subject we both shared an immense passion for, the rock band Kiss. So eventually, I had to get him to jump on the podcast, and away we went. This episode was done in Winterthur, Switzerland, right before Doors, and the excitement of the evening's festivities was starting to kindle. Besides being an incredible guitar player, he is a fan of heavy music, and it is a pure joy to talk to him about all things rock. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I had fun doing it. Thanks to Blue Mic Microphones and Skullcandy Headphones for their support of the podcast. Thanks to you for listening to this episode. If you do feel inclined, by all means, please leave a rating and or a review of the podcast on iTunes. We are also on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Danko Jones. Okay, here it is, the episode with the man himself, Arve Istal, otherwise known as Icedale, and the podcast starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the kid as Danko School Hotel for free on SoundCloud. I like to sometimes get me in from fucked up. Stop playing hang down, down. Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones Podcast! You motherfuckers! It's fucking great! It fucking slays! Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones Podcast! You motherfuckers! I began to notice that Danko was completely nuts. He'd suddenly start making weird sounds and scary faces for no reason at all. And it, it wasn't just embarrassing, it, it was alarming. And now since I'm a devout Catholic, I asked my local parish priest about Danko's condition and he was sure Danko was possessed by Satan. So I helped my priest perform an exorcism on Danko that very day, but it didn't work. The dude is seriously screwed, and according to my parish priest, will burn in hell for all of eternity if he doesn't get himself checked out. Login protocol initiated. Sequencing algorithm interface. The official Danko Jones podcast uploaded. Listen with caution. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. Okay, so the other night you came into our dressing room and you asked me one question and I answered it in a split second. I always knew the answer. I'm ready with that answer. And uh, then I asked 
your question back to you. You gave me a very, very deep cut. Question was, my favorite Kiss song is Shock Me. Your favorite Kiss song is Tonight You Belong to Me off the Paul Stanley solo album. Very tasteful, deep cut. But I got to ask, why that song? To be honest, I'm not sure because I think it, it wasn't my favorite like Kiss song from the start. I kind of discovered it later. I think it actually was when we were touring, me and Thomas and Espen with, from Audrey Horn, but touring with Paul Diano from Maiden. That's and right. You were in his backup band. Yeah, we played tour with him for a couple of years, mostly in Norway and some shows in Poland, I guess. And yeah, and the backing band was a Norwegian band. And I'm, that song, especially, and like the Paul Stanley first solo album, was kind of the soundtrack for that tour. So it just, it just stuck with us. So the backing band on who? With who? Paul Stanley? No, 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 no. Uh, and the support band. Sorry. Oh. Of the okay. tour, it was a Norwegian band called God Size at the time. Okay. They split right. up now. But. Uh, okay, so that it's it's a song that that became a favorite through touring. Sometimes yeah. songs will do that. Yeah, and actually now when I think of it, it's I think it's a great song and capture like so much of the like Kiss vibe, especially from the like Paul Stanley songs with the whole like kind of Black Diamond intro before the like riff right. kicks in. Right. I mentioned my favorite song off that album was uh, "Wouldn't You Like to Know Me." It's so. It's got that catchy 70s vibe that I always yeah. think is is perfect for Paul. Yeah, I really like his vocals on that one because it, it, it's so raw. You can just hear his voice. I on really those like. on the solo albums, most people would rank Paul's album at number two. Most people say Ace was the one who had the best album. How would you rank the four? Now I would say... Yeah, now. Now I would say Paul Stanley and Ace really at... I don't know. At, I can't choose really. Because I I think Ace Freely's album is like a better album. Like the complete album. And I mean, I love him as a both guitar player and songwriter. And it got that really rock and roll spirit. But I don't know. The Paul Stanley album is... To me, more Kiss, kind of. Yeah. I guess. So, those two, and then Jeans, and... Peter's last. <laughs> yeah. That would have been Sorry, my... Peter. Yeah, that would have been my ranking, but now I changed it. I would say Ace has always been number one in terms of the solo albums. Paul's always been number two. But I flipped the last two. Peter is number three now for me. Gene yeah. is number four. I don't listen to Gene's album at all, man. But Peter's album... I've gone back to many times. It's weird how that works. Yeah, it's actually been quite some years since I've actually heard the Peter Chris solo album. Yeah, and it's like, well, we're talking the Kiss solo album, right? Like, not the yeah, yeah, post-Kiss yeah, 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 stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, and then I, I asked you if you were Team Paul, because I'm Team Paul. Hashtag Team Paul. I've actually, I think he even favorited one tweet of mine where I even said hashtag I'm, I'm always going to be t- team Paul and Paul favorited that basically validating me as a Kiss fan I mean I've been favorited by 
by Paul Stanley. How cool so, is that? Yeah. So are you are you team Paul? I'm team Paul, definitely. Over all the other members? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, back in the days when I grew up, I was, of course, like, really fascinated by Gene Simmons. And me and a friend of mine spent the whole day, like, turning the vinyl backwards, playing it, looking for, like, you know, messages and nice. evil shit. But yes. Couldn't really find anything. It was like, oh, is he saying Satan there? Yeah. Is that devil? We're not sure. Try it again. But I found five. You did? Yeah. <laughs> There's uh, one on Creatures, or two on Creatures, one on Unmasked, and uh, what's the song off Unmasked, Ace's song? Talk to me. Talk uh. to there's a, there's a uh, backward message there, and then the, uh, one of the slow Paul Stout songs on Creatures, there's a backward message. Oh, I, we only checked it in Simon's soul album, because uh, we thought, if you're right. going to find it on some album, it must be this one. Right, but, right. And then we gave up, and we spent the whole day doing it, so it was like, okay. Well, when I did that KISS lecture at Vakken in uh, 2012, uh, I go, well, you know, part of the lecture was proving that there was backward messages. So in order to do that, I had to listen to the entire discography backwards, and I have. And I almost went insane. It was two, two, three days in a hotel room. And I had my head down on the table. And I was just, I had this, I have this program. It's easy to get. And you can flip songs backwards. So I flipped the whole albums. And I would just sit there on the table in the hotel room, my head down on my arm, listening to it backwards. From the first one till... Yeah. And I fucking went nuts. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Wow. Yeah, it was, it, it was fucking nuts. <laughs> and uh, Unmasked, Creatures of the Night, and the other, there's two other albums, but they escape me right now. But yeah. yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it was crazy. Shit. I wish I, I, wish I had discovered that as a kid. Yeah, oh, I can hmm. play you the backward messages um, after this. Yeah, for sure. For cool. sure. <laughs> so, okay, so there's, you know, Audrey Horn is a band that... Um, a very esteemed band. There's a big history with individual members, past and present. It's like uh, very accredited bands, uh, accredited band um, with Thomas, with uh, with yourself, and with past members as well. In terms of you know the metal scene, you guys being from Bergen, Bergen being a very highly respected city for black metal. So I can't have you on the podcast without discussing some of the, and I think over the course of the tour, I've kind of picked at, picked your brain and asked you little kind of fan questions about certain things that you've been involved in. Um, and something that I didn't realize until you mentioned it was you backed up Paul Diano. How the fuck did that happen? Actually, it was um, uh, the Hole in the Sky Festival back in, when was it? 2000 maybe I think and uh, because a friend of mine was like the, the booker on that festival well, who's that? it's called Torgrim okay yeah, he, he's been booking for Garage for some years now but yeah it, and they have the office upstairs right? yeah yeah. so he, he actually called me one summer and I, I, he's, he's like the biggest Maiden fan ever so he called me and he was like shit guess who I got for the festival Hole in the Sky I was like, I don't know, but 
since you're so excited, I would say Bruce Dickinson. He's like, are you an idiot? We can't afford him. And I, I was like, okay, I give up. Who is it? Paul Liano. I was like, who? No. <laughs> yeah. He was like, are you insane? It's like the first singer of Iron Maiden. I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. Okay. <laughs> and he was like, and you have to play in the band with him because we can only like afford him. And so we got to put together a local band. Right. He's like Chuck Berry. <laughs> That's what Chuck Berry did. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he did that at the time. I think he had several bands, one in South America and one... Well, um, we played with him at a festival in Sweden, and he had a Swedish backing band. Yeah, that, yeah. I guess. So did so, you guys... You just you just played with him within Norway? or? It was... Yeah, because we were only supposed to do that one festival. Right. So we got together and practiced, and he with came... Him? Yeah, he came like the day before, so we run through the set with him. And awesome. Yeah, it was... That, that was really awesome and it was a great gig everything went well he sang actually very good and stuff and then he was so satisfied with our band that he wouldn't like to use us for more right. touring and stuff and that lasted for a couple of years you're saying? Or? yeah I think we did two Norwegian tours and we did recorded a DVD in Poland and did some Polish shows and that's that. with Thomas as well from Audrey Horn yeah and Espen Espen as well yeah. So that's like pretty much three fifths of Audrey Horn. Yeah, and that was actually before we started Audrey Horn. Oh so wow! I'd never played with either Thomas or Aspen before. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. So um, the first day, and this is also one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on because you are so uh, recognized through your work in Enslaved. Enslaved is one of my favorite black metal bands I think like I was saying to you the other night I find Enslaved to be uh, a very tasteful band now I'm not a big deep black metal fan I, my, my fandom for the genre doesn't run that deep I'm more of a top shelf guy you know I, you name off the most popular black metal bands out there and that's that's what I got but I, I noticed with you guys with a lot of things your aesthetic as well as your sound it's just a little T- different and more tasteful. I, I, was, I was saying this all to you the other night as like a, I was fanning out on you like when I cornered you. Um, but a thing about the genre itself is it's more, it's not the guys in the bands, it's more the, the fans and it's more the younger fans. They cannot make the connection between black metal and rock and roll. They think there's no bridge. And um, it pisses me off when, you know, you read online when we have some sort of association with a metal event or a, a metal something, and there's always, you know, and I have to call them kids because that's usually who they are, uh, you know, saying, oh, they suck, rock and roll, they're just nothing but a thing. I feel like grabbing each and every one of them and going, do you realize those guys in those fucking black metal bands are all rock and rollers? Yeah. You know, I'd say 99% of them are. And uh, so when I know that, you know, you're in um, Audrey Horn, which is a it's like a hard rock, very proudly hard rock band. And you've got, you know, your your enslaved duties to do like. And then the first day that I met you coming out of the of of the uh, coming going into the club, you're wearing an Aerosmith Walk This Way shirt. And I was and I looked at that and I said, 
things are going to be okay. This tour is going to be all right. <laughs> and, and, and so, I, I, you know, it's very important, I think, to have you on and, and show everybody that, like, there is a huge connection. You know, for me as a metal fan, and I'm in a rock and roll band, people make a big deal out of it. Like, wow, this rock and roller is into metal. But it's like, nah, it's, it should be a seamless exchange. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know? Because, I mean, all the black metal bands comes from, like, rock and roll, of course. It's, that's what started it. I yeah. Mean, rock and roll, and then you got Black Sabbath, and it kind of went on from there. And, yeah. But the same, because I, I, I've, when I grew up, I started with the rock and roll, with Kiss, of course, as when I was very, very young, and then it escalated, like, Metallica, Guns N' Roses. Also, a lot of the prog stuff, like Pink Floyd, King Crimson, Yes, and... And yeah, and when I started with the, like the whole extreme metal scene, I was not surprised, but I discovered that we had the same influences, basically listened to the same kind of music. The other guys in the band. Yeah, yeah, because it's like you say, it's mo- mostly the fans who think like, no, the black metal thing, they're just like evil guys sitting at home listening to black metal all the time. Yeah. It's... And that's another thing that, as well for me as a rock and roller and liking black metal... Uh, and meeting you guys like one by one I could name off the different people in the different bands and yeah everyone well not everyone like I said 99% of everyone is like a rock and roll fan like yeah or not only rock, rock and roll I think but music good mu- music in general because yeah. everybody that I know that's doing like extreme uh, like people who are extremely dedicated to music itself yeah. and like all the good artists, not not only rock and roll and metal band, could be pop acts and right. country stuff for that sake. Right, right. So, I mean, I think as musicians and like artists, we respect, yeah, people and other artists and groups that's like doing their own thing and doesn't like go mainstream or whatever. Yeah. They just keep on doing what they do and yeah, if it's honest and good then we'd respect that so yeah so I, almost every day of this tour except for that first day I've seen you wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt yeah I'm right. a huge Led Zeppelin I mean but there's black metal kids out there if they saw you wearing like a Zeppelin shirt to be like what what happened to you man <laughs> as if then they should you know, listen to Led Zeppelin did you have a window of time when you were getting into more extreme musics where you cut it off cut off the rock and roll and then eventually came back to it you know as you're getting more extreme in your tastes no never actually yeah i mean i don't listen that much to extreme metal Mm. i mean some bands of course i love and listen to but i mostly like listen to like the old classic rock and roll bands and of course some new stuff i like as well and in general good music so i don't like yeah, I don't got periods where I go like I'm only going to listen to extreme metal now. That's so. You, so that was the reason for forming Audrey Horn. You needed to satiate this rock and roll side of you. Yeah, and I think as you mentioned, when when we started Audrey Horn, it was like a lot of people who played in different metal bands and were doing that. So that's how Audrey Horn came about. I think because we were talking to each other and we had like the same taste in music, but none of us was actually playing that kind of music. Yeah. So, and actually, actually, a funny story is that Eva from Enslaved, 
he played in Audrey Home before me. He was playing keyboard I, because I lived with him at the time and I remember him coming home from the first rehearsal going, hey Arby, I joined a band today that you should be playing in. <laughs> and so it went on from there. But. So, so Audrey Horn is kind of like a kind of like a uh, enslaved junior or like a softer. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, because it's I didn't, or I, I don't remember which of the bands I actually joined first. But I started at the same time, I think, in two thousand and two, with both Enslaved and Audrey Horn. Oh, really? So, because so. we we only got aware of I only got aware of you guys in twenty. 10 or 2009 so what was going on between 2002 and 09 were you guys putting out records or was it a yeah I think the first album was in like 2005 oh okay okay so we spent we spent some time like writing it and before it got released and but it was kind of hard in the beginning because I mean of course the record label put us out as a kind of a super group with members from this and this band and we were like hey don't do that because then it takes away from yeah and super groups never work no and and this had nothing to do with the extreme metal and if you put names like Enslaved and Gargoth on it and promote the band like that people will like it just doesn't work because (laughs) the the fans of those bands would definitely not like Audrey Horn and the people who could like it probably won't check it out because it's oh it's extreme metal guys doing something mm. else boring that's why i love you guys because you kind of shove it in people's faces you know uh, you know it, it works both ways the 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 um the closed-minded metalheads gotta expand and get into rock and the closed-minded rock and rollers like you might this might be the band to bridge you onto the side of you know heavy metal and and take it from there so you know that's 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 one of the things i like about you guys but i I, we played together in 2010 i want to say in oslo like oslo live at a city festival yeah, yeah. yeah i remember yeah yeah that was i think the first time we met and we played but there's a huge build-up because we have the same folks back in germany who are uh promoting us and who work with you guys and there's kind of this kind of exchange yeah so i was i was i was aware of you guys before uh we played together but when we did and i think it was in flames it was you guys us then in flames yeah yeah that was the bill it was an interesting bill and an interesting (laughs) group of people who showed up yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah so that i mean did did king of hell have anything to do with audrey horn in the beginning yeah, it was actually mostly me and him who wrote the first album right. together, kind of. So, yeah, he was very involved. But then he quit after the first one or during, like, the making of the second album. That was... I mean, we we fought a lot because we were, like, I don't know. I think we were... In our minds, we were, like, had made a great album and we would be successful, blah, blah, blah. So we were kind of, like, I don't know, young and stupid. Mm. So, of course, it didn't went too well. We didn't do much gigs because, yeah, things just didn't work. Mm. So we start to argue a lot, and then some of the members quit. And yeah, it's an, a very um, now you say that, but it's also a very incestuous scene in Bergen. For example, Thomas is in Sag, King of Hell was in Sag. 
then you you were you helped out on King of Hell of Hell and all this stuff. And then um, the one band that I wanted to pick your brain about more, I'm a, a big fan of, and you were in that band is I. And I think I, I, you told me the other night, yeah, I blah blah blah. I'm like, wait a minute, you were an I too. You got to tell me how. Please tell me about I. Uh, how did that band start and why it's not going on and how Abbott has done his thing, all that stuff with Abbott and all that stuff. <laughs> well, uh, I, I guess it started when because back in Bergen, especially in those days, and kind of now as well. But uh, we have the, a rock club called Garage, mm. where usually yeah. like back in the days, at least all the kind of music people. And not only like metal and hard rock people, but a lot of musicians went to Garage, and it was the place to go. And so, and in Bergen also, it's always it's never been like that competition vibe that you might find in bigger cities, I guess, because we always like talk and hang out. To, you know, uh, yeah, no matter what genre you're in. Or, right. So, so I think I just met him there, and we had some some friends that yeah I don't quite remember how it happened but after Immortal I took a break in 2000 and something two three I don't know he he came to me and said that because I was doing like I had my home studio like a computer which I like used for like doing writing Audrey Horn music and stuff and he asked me if I could help him like working on some riff and arrangement mm-hmm. of songs that he had like wanting to do and some of it wasn't like quite fit for Immortal anyway and we, back then we didn't or he didn't have a plan or anything he just wanted to like keep working on music and see what happened so yeah we started like doing a couple of songs and he was like yeah can you put some guitar and leads on it and and yeah, and it just worked out great from the beginning, and he was very happy. And for me, it was a lot of fun to work with him too, because he's so he's so honest, like and so real. Yes, yeah. he's so into the music. It's always going and thinking about riffs and stuff and songs. So, so yeah, so we we started hanging out a lot together and working on music. So, well, the I album is amazing, and I I, I find that. If anyone really wants to get into black metal but doesn't really know how to, you know, go head first into it, I, much like Audrey Horn, is a good kind of like baby step album to get into. Because once I heard I, I'm like, these black metal guys are just fucking rock and rollers, man. Like, <laughs> like you know, like, you know, when the album came out, we were still just touring heavily in Europe and... Um, meeting people and you know I didn't know like a lot of people in bands like in, in the Norwegian scene like I do now and and uh, that that when I heard that album I was like hey, we, I, I'm not alone <laughs> you know like there's people on the other side on the metal side who who want to come on our side the way that you know when I got to Europe and I realized what a great metal scene there was it was like a, a rediscovery of metal for me from from when I was like uh, like a teenager, and I got back into it so much. So uh, yeah, but like you said, that, that was I guess some of the reasons why we clicked so well as well because Abbott is a huge 
Kiss fan as well. Yeah, oh yeah. And uh, of rock and roll in general, like mm-hmm. Motorhead and uh, Jimi Maiden, Ozzy, Jimi yeah. Hendrix, all that old stuff. So we like, yeah, we just clicked and we listened to a lot of music together. And hey, yeah, was it like, we, we both love this. So. Was it like the dam breaking because you guys were so immersed in the in the metal scene that like once you got had a chance to play rock and roll, finally you just it just went blah, and just came out. <laughs> was it like that? Yeah, in a way, I guess. Because, mm. uh, like I said, he he didn't quite have a plan. It wasn't like, hey, we let's start a band and stuff. We just started working on music and hanging out together, go out and got drunk and yeah, whatever. And so, so uh, we kept on like that for I think two years or something before we actually okay. Now we got a lot of great songs here, and we should form a band and record an album. Oh. That's cool. So did you have anything to do with this uh, Abbott, the self-titled uh, new album out last no, year? No, I didn't. No, no. Uh, I've been too busy with Audrey Horn and, and Slate. So. Yeah, I mean, how do you do it is also what I want to know. How do you, you know, how do you, how do you juggle all this? Because we were supposed to tour together two years ago, yeah. but it was your fault that yeah, that didn't happen on Fire Music because Enslaved were on tour. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, it's amazing. It's a great problem to have. Two bands in demand on the road. Most people can't even get one off the ground. Yeah, it's it's good. Of course, uh, I should have more time. Like you say, something things collide and stuff. And we tried to plan ahead with both bands because, of course, when I'm on tour with Audrey Horn and Slave come tour and stuff. So yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But so. It's, sometimes it's hard, but yeah, <laughs> it keeps me busy at least. Yeah. Are the other guys in Enslaved? Are they in other bands themselves, or like? No, not anymore. I mean, Eva's got his. He just started his own, like solo project called Board Spec. Uh, but yeah, he he haven't done many gigs with it. I or think he's recording an album with it. Or, but then the other guys just have. And slave. Right. Wow, it takes up a lot of time. But yeah, do, it does. Yeah. Do you write a lot of the enslaved stuff then? No. No. So this is your, your musical output on in Audrey Horn. Yeah. Your More or less. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's cool. So there's one thing I saw enslaved a few years back, I'd say I wanna say maybe six years ago, seven years ago. We played a festival together in Norway. And uh the one thing I re- the one thing I, I noticed with Audrey Horn is like when you're an enslaved you don't wear a shirt, <laughs> no. and then when you're an Audrey Horn, it's all about the shirts. What, what, <laughs> now what's going on there? Is there some sort of uh, is there a reason? Is there a thought behind it? Or are you just is it the tour? Are we making you feel confined? You need to wear a shirt. <laughs> what, is it us? No, I I don't know why I. I chose to play without a shirt and Slave. It just happened because, I mean, a lot of my favorite guitar players like Slash, uh, Jimmy Page, uh, Dave Gilmore back in the days. and Eddie Van Halen. Van Halen, also Zach Wilde, whatever, used to play without a shirt. So yeah. I was like, okay. My impression of a lead guitar player was kind of... Shirtless. Shirtless guy. <laughs> so it just happened. And okay, that's fine. And I get it, but then why put the shirt on for the other band? That I don't know. 
<laughs> no, it's cool though. I mean, you're wearing like the the. I think it's co- cool because you, the, the 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 shirts you do wear tell everyone the bands you're into. Yeah, which so is the point of a rock shirt. The last years, we yeah. playing in band shirts. Yeah. Before that, it was always like a black shirt or whatever. Yeah, I noticed that. It's quite. I don't a, know why though. But. It's a quite no. I, I it's something. It's a it's a small detail, but I I took note of it, and I'm like, wow, he's really going for the rock shirts, on stage. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. no switch. Is this you're wearing your Zeppelin shirt now? Is this your your also your on stage, your on stage shirt, as well? Um. Are you gonna change? No, I'm going to change to another Zeppelin show tonight. But it's going to be Zeppelin, though. Yeah, tonight, at yeah. least. And yeah. Would you wear the Walk This Way shirt on stage? Or is Aerosmith like, nah. I love Aerosmith, especially old Aerosmith. is great. Absolutely. That's so rock and roll. I mean. And Joe Perry, shirtless yeah. as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Player. And shirtless, yeah. often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I mean... I, I'm not trying to take the piss or anything. I, I, it's an honest observation. I noticed the, the two ways that you presented yourself on stage. I don't know how many people have caught on to that. Am I the only one? <laughs> no, you're not. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> Why well, you have a shirt on? <laughs> right, right. Right. Oh, that's cool. Well, okay. Well, I can, I can probably talk to you about more shit, and I probably... We probably will before the tour's over about, and then I'll probably go, oh, we got to record that part. We got to talk about that. But I mean, this episode, much like Toshi and uh, it comes and the podcast in general comes from a very natural uh, evolution of, of, of conversation. And since we're on tour together and, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about Enslaved. We didn't, we kind of touched on it a bit, but my fandom for enslaved you know led me to approach you to to come on the the podcast but you know i i mean i i'm probably going to come up with 10 more questions to, or conversations to ask you before the tour's end but <laughs> that's go ahead, man. yeah that's man that's that's i think that i mean if that's if if you're cool with what we got i mean i'm good yeah cool man well <laughs> arve thank you for coming on the podcast and uh you guys are going on soon like half an hour an hour oh yeah probably right <laughs> shit or well i it's think it's 7 30 now i think it's eight. you're on at 8 30 if not do you gotta warm up and shit i'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> thanks man thanks for coming on thanks for having me and thanks for having us on the tour yeah uh, absolutely finally now that you've made your schedule of it now we can all go on tour together because of you yeah (laughs) thanks man